The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, and a good Monday one and all. Glad you've tuned in here to the Chris Salcedo Show. It's fair to ask, how much longer do you think Jeff Sessions has as Attorney General of the United States? He has clearly lost the confidence of the President of the United States. We'll get to that coming up. Throughout the course of the program, in the meantime, here's how you get in touch with me. 888 that's the phone number. Uh, if you want to drop me an email, go to the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. The Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. There's a link on top, and you can also check out all of the articles that we post there on the Facebook page. You know, I somebody jumped on Twitter this weekend and said, Chris, stop driving Twitter to Facebook. And I said, uh, stop being so lazy. I said, first off, I do three radio shows a day. I've never been called lazy. But number two, uh, we update Facebook. It automatically notifies Twitter and actually has a link. So if, if folks are really interested, uh, aside from the 140 characters about what's going on, they can go find the resource material. So that's that's how we did it. Uh, it's, it's so tough to convey a lot of, well, things that need to be conveyed in 140 characters. So if folks want to find out more, they can always have a resource on the Facebook page. That's how we set it up. Anyway, uh, let's see. Yeah, oh, by the way, speaking of uh, Twitter, at Chris Salcedo TX, at C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O-T-X. Catching the show live. You can go to theblaze.com slash radio, Blaze Radio smartphone app, iHeartRadio app, on demand, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And check out the show's presence at theblaze.com in the channel section, The Chris Salcedo Show, at theblaze.com. I was going to start on the flip around, uh, but I have to start here because I actually played this when I when I received it. Didn't have it for the earlier show. So now that I've got it, I was so impacted by what I heard, I had to go play it for my kids. They're on summer break, so it was kind of easy to do. Sometimes, and I don't know if this is the case with other conservative talk show hosts, sometimes we wonder whether or not we're winning the battle. Sometimes we question whether or not getting up every day, doing what we do, has an impact. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you hear stories that that deflate you. Other times, you hear stories that recommit you. And you go, oh, of course. This is the reason why I fight. This is the reason why I call out progressivism and liberalism and socialism and communism. This is the reason why I, I call out those who push these backward, nonsensical, uh, moronic ideologies. The parents of Charlie Gard took to the microphones today and read a statement. 
uh, I have not been able to get through. I've, I've listened to this twice and I've not been able to get through it out of time without, without tearing up because every parent within the sound of my voice is going to hear this and you're going to put yourself right in their place and you're going to wonder, damn, well, what happens when the all-powerful state takes control over my child's health care? What happen, what's going to happen to my child or my grandchildren or my parents? And that's at the end of the day what this is all about. Um, well, I, I'm going to let the, let's see, how long is this statement? It's about uh, three minutes. And I'm going to play it in its entirety because you deserve to hear it. And you can find it online later today and I encourage you to play it for your kids. And I encourage you to play it for your friends. And I encourage you to sit there and, and tell them, this is why we oppose socialism. Because it's cold. Because it's unfeeling. Because socialism is uncaring. You're just a number. You're just, and you know what? Charlie Gard is going to be allowed to die because socialists inside of the UK didn't want there to exist proof that their system is a failure. That's why he's going to be allowed to die. And his parents are going to tell you in not so many words. This is Charlie Gard's parents today announcing they're giving up their legal fight to save their precious little boy. This is one of the hardest things that we will ever have to say. And we are about to do the hardest thing that we will ever have to do, which is to let our beautiful little Charlie go. Put simply... This is about a sweet, gorgeous, innocent little boy who was born with a rare disease, who had a real, genuine chance at life, and a family who loved him so very dearly, and that's why we fought so hard for him. He had a chance. He had a chance. But those who think like Chuck Toomer, the current Senate Minority Leader, those who think like Nancy Pelosi, those who think like resident Obama over in the UK, they took that chance away because little Charlie guard wasn't the important thing. The all powerful state was. We are truly devastated to say that following the most recent MRI scan of Charlie's muscles as requested in the recent MDT meeting by Dr. Arano, as Charlie's devoted and loving parents, we have decided that it's no longer in Charlie's best interests to pursue treatment and we will let our son go and be with the angels. That one's gotten me every time. The parents have to, to go through this because the state claimed ownership of this child. Oh, you want to go to America and have him treated? We don't think we're going to let you. Oh, you want to, You have an Italian doctor that wanted to treat him? We don't think we're going to let you. Why? Because we're the government and we know best. Whose child is it? In socialist paradises like the UK, most of Europe, Cuba, Venezuela, that baby belongs to the state. And I find 
that way of thinking foreign. I find that way of thinking sick, demented, twisted, perverted. And the, the real nail in the socialist coffin is coming. The American and Italian team were still willing to treat Charlie after seeing both his recent brain MRI and EEG performed last week. But there is one simple reason why treatment cannot now go ahead, and that is time. A whole lot of time has been wasted. We are now in July, and our poor boy has been left to just lie in hospital for months without any treatment whilst lengthy court battles have been fought. Lengthy court battles. This couple was fighting their government. I'm sorry, I, I thought legitimate governments walked by people's side, not rode on their backs. That's what a legitimate government does. Illegitimate governments go to war with their citizens and tell the citizens when their agenda goes against what the state believes is best, meaning the all-powerful decision-making of the state about their child's future. And then the state's going to win. Make no mistake, the cold, heartless, uncaring state of socialism in the UK won this battle. And little Charlie Gard lost. And he paid with his life so that socialists can continue to reign supreme in the UK. Tragically, having had Charlie's medical notes reviewed by independent experts, we now know. Had Charlie been given the treatment sooner, he would have had the potential to be a normal, healthy little boy. Independent. Independent experts. Independent of government. Independent of the government's doctors. See what happens when you have doctors that perform in service to the government and not in service to their patients? You get this crap. Had independent doctors who had only the patient in mind, not the state control of health care, determined that had this little boy been given treatment in a timely fashion, he would have had a better chance at a normal life. But you see, the all-powerful government and the all-powerful state, that's what's most important to the bureaucrats. Keeping the boondoggle going. That's what's most important. Despite his condition in January, Charlie's muscles were in pretty good shape and far from showing irreversible, catastrophic structural brain damage, Dr. Hirano and other experts say his brain scans and EEGs were those of a relatively normal child of his age. We knew that ourselves, because as his parents, we knew our son, which is why we continued fighting. Charlie has been left with his illness to deteriorate devastatingly to the point of no return. This has also never been about parents know best. All we wanted to do was take Charlie from one world-renowned hospital to another world-renowned hospital in the attempt to save his life and to be treated by the world leader in mitochondrial disease. The mitochondrial disease was allowed to progress and deteriorate his little body. The parents didn't make that choice. The state made that choice. So now the state's saying, see, he's going to die. 
See, he's going to die. We made the right decision. Well, actually, months ago, it wasn't the right decision. He had a better chance at life. Oh, but that might have been expensive. Parents had the money. Oh, we, we can't allow you to demonstrate that those that have can get class A health care in a socialist system. And those that have not, don't. They get crap. This is, this should be earth shattering to every American hearing it. Hell, it's for every human being hearing this. This is what happens when you subordinate your decision-making processes to the government. This is what happens. It's free, right? Isn't that right, the UK? Isn't that right, Canada? Isn't that right, Bernie Sanders? Oh, it's so free. Yes, it's free. And they also get to make the life and death calls. Isn't that delightful? We will have to live with the what-ifs which will haunt us for the rest of our lives. Despite the way that our beautiful son has spoken, has been spoken about sometimes as if he is not worthy of a chance at life, our son is an absolute warrior and we could not be proud of him and we will miss him terribly. His body, heart and soul may soon be gone, but his spirit will live on for eternity and he will make a difference to people's lives for years to come. We will make sure of that. We are now going to spend our last precious moments with our son Charlie, who unfortunately won't make his first birthday in just under two weeks time. And we, and we would ask that our privacy is respected at this very difficult time. To Charlie, we say mummy and daddy, we love you so much. We always have and we always will. And we are so sorry that we couldn't save you. Sweet dreams, baby. Sleep, sleep tight, our beautiful little boy. We love you. I'll be right back. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. Taking in a little Latin flair with Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo's show. Look, I, um, you know, well, maybe you guys don't know, but when I came up in in radio, you weren't you weren't supposed to get emotional. You weren't supposed to to let uh, where, you know everything on radio was supposed to be upbeat and positive all the time, no matter what was going on. Uh, if it was uh, you're reporting a horrific. Uh, news story you were supposed to just well if you're in music radio never even talked about the horrific stuff if you weren't if you were doing news you just read the news straight monotone one of the luxuries we have in talk radio is we get to we get to give weight i suppose to certain issues i i can think of no other rallying cry to stop the insanity that was started over these last eight years, marching us headlong into what they're doing over there in the UK. It's um, it's amazing to me. Sorry, my my Star Trek communicator is going off. Uh, 
it's it's amazing to me that in the modern age that people would look at something like that and you know just a just another callous examination of dollars and cents and there was there was no reason why Charlie Gard could not have received treatment right away. The parents offered to pay for it. But see, that would have caused a lot of the pro-socialist medicine folks over in the UK to get butt hurt. And by the way, you've heard from our buddy Jack Buckby. Jack Buckby says it's a it's a national pride thing over there. So if the if the medical system is is shown not to work they take it personally over in the uk so you have an entire nation saying your rights don't count to these parents it's the it's the the benefit of the collective and screw the individual which is what you're seeing and america was predicated and the conservative movement is predicated on just the opposite empowering the individual, empowering you to take care of your family. That way the state doesn't have to do it. But where's the control in that? Say the statists. I can't, if, if America, a lot of these left-wing politicians and dare I say some, some of those who are uh, center-right over in the UK especially, it's, it's all part of the game of control. Just who has the better control game? Do you know how much strength it takes to say to the people, I trust you? You know what strength that takes? There's a, a weak-mindedness in my view, an insecurity in my view, among statists whose actions, hell, some of them just come out and say it. I think the American people are too stupid and can't take care of themselves. Uh, they admitted it as a culture over in the UK. The UK says, we are all too stupid. So we're, and now they've got a history of that kind of thinking over there. They subordinated their rights, their liberties to kings and queens. It's part of their genetic makeup, if you will. I, I, I'm exaggerating with genetics, but it's part of their cultural makeup. We rebelled against that kind of thing. Our, uh, our genetic makeup, if you will, of our country. We are rebels against the idea of some divine central power, knowing all, seeing all, and deserving blind allegiance. We're Americans, and Americans don't believe in that crap. We believe in the rugged individual, and individuals being empowered to soar to heights to where their God-given gifts will take them, and the government shouldn't get in their way. The government ought to walk by their side and enable them to do that. That's what separates you and me from this other kind of backward thinking. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network.
Salcedo Show. Listen, dial, speak. 888-900-3393. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, how long do you think? What's the over-under on how long Attorney General Jeff Sessions stays in the Attorney General's office? I mean, now look, we had heard Trump throwing the Attorney General under the bus last week. And let me, let me remind you, this was in an interview in the New York Times. Takes the job, gets into the job, recuses himself, which frankly, I think is very unfair to the president. How do you take a job and then recuse yourself? If he would have recused himself before the job, I would have said, thanks, Jeff, but I can't, you know, I'm not going to take you. It's extremely unfair, and that's a mild word to the president. So then the uh, senator from Kentucky, Rand Paul, backing up this criticism of the sitting attorney general, who, by the way, was on this program here last week. You know, I think the president has a point, because the thing is here is that if everybody's going to recuse themselves just for incidental contact, I think you don't get really good governance. I believe that Jeff Sessions' contact with Russians was incidental. Handshakes. In the, in the, in the usual duties of being a Senate, and in being incidental, he should have stayed in the fray, and he should have been support, more supportive of the president. In the New York Post today and other publications, I think Axios has this as well. No, actually, only Axios has this tweet from the president. So you had all that going on last week, and then over the weekend, the president tweets, so why aren't the committees and investigators, and of course our beleaguered AG, <laughs> our beleaguered AG, looking into crooked Hillary's crimes and Russia relations? And you know, we, we in the conservative movement have been saying that for months, if not years. We knew why it wasn't happening under Team Obama because Team Obama was crooked. And if you were a Democrat, there's no such thing as committing a crime. They would all be swept under the rug because you were a Democrat. That's, that was Obama's Justice Department's idea of justice. So, you know, we, we know about Hillary Clinton's, the pay-for-play allegations that are out there. Uh, the Uranium One deal going through, 20% of America's uranium going to, to Russia, and then magically, poof, uh, Bill Clinton getting a speaking engagement for was half a billion, half a million dollars. Uh, 500 grand. I, it was just, and there were other ties that uh, are not springing to top of mind here, but there are a lot of things that were being needed to be investigated. Uh, the Russians hacking uh, our, uh, our former State Department head, Hillary Clinton's illegal server. I mean, it. all of this stuff was brushed under the rug under, under James Comey and the Obama administration. So Donald Trump, the president of the United States, has, has a point that many people believe that Hillary Clinton got away with it. And now that we're standing up for the rule of law once again, that she ought not get away with this kind of stuff. But this, this going after Attorney General Je uh, Jeff Sessions, I think the president is very ticked off that he put this guy in there and he recuses himself, lets Rosenstein go wild. And Rosenstein says, uh, hey, Mueller, just do whatever you want. And that's the scope of his, of his investigation. Do whatever the hell you want. No limiting principle. No enunciating of 
of what the, the special counsel is supposed to be looking into. It's just like, go crazy, go nuts. And uh, no reduction in scope. Look at Russian collusion into our elections. And wh- why uh, they have to look at Donald Trump's finances uh, that are non-tied to Russia is, well, troubling. By the way, speaking of the president, he's stepping up to the podium right now. Let's listen in. Thank you very much, Vice President Pence, Secretary Price, and thank you, everyone, for being here today. For the past 17 years, Obamacare has wreaked havoc on the lives of innocent, hardworking Americans. Behind me today, we have real American families, great families, just spent a lot of time with them, who are suffering because seven years ago, a small group of politicians and special interests in Washington engineered a government takeover of health care. Every pledge that Washington Democrats made to pass that bill turned out to be a lie. It was a big, fat, ugly lie. Democrats promised Americans like Steve Finn, a former police officer in West Virginia, that they would save $2,500 a year under Obamacare. Instead, his premiums have more than tripled. That's pretty bad. As a result of Obamacare's skyrocketing costs, Steve and his family and many of his employees had no other option than going on Medicaid and giving up their existing coverage. That's pretty bad. No choice, right? He's looking behind him, folks, right now. To the crowd. For them, Obamacare's promise was a nightmare. Marjorie and Kevin Weir from South Carolina have a son, Monty, who suffers from spina bifida. Washington Democrats promised families like the Weirs that if they liked their doctor, they could keep their doctor. But now there is only one insurer left in the state exchange. And Marjorie says that every year she waits anxiously to learn if the doctors and hospitals, which her son needs the most, will remain in their network, more Obamacare lies. And you've seen that up front, unfortunately, up front and personal. The Democrats promised Melissa Ackerson that her son's pre-existing conditions would be covered. The Ackersons quickly learned that Obamacare's promise of covering for pre-existing conditions was meaningless, though if the doctors you need to care for you aren't on your Obamacare plan. So you just have a meaningless promise. And everybody knows it, and most people on Obamacare know it. After an excruciating series of events and complications, Melissa and her husband found themselves, just before Christmas, emotionally and financially devastated, crying in a doctor's office faced with yet another seemingly unpayable bill. When insurance wouldn't cover the Atkinson's care, they emptied out Melissa's 401k to pay their bills. They're not going to be, and they haven't been the first. There are many, many cases such as that, the 401ks. The first rule of medicine is do no harm. But Obamacare's lies have caused this and Throughout the whole country, families like this, nothing but pain. Aaron and Andy Witzig are small business owners from Illinois. They have six children. 
Their youngest daughter, Poppy, has a rare genetic condition. Children born with it are sometimes called butterfly children because their skin is as fragile as the wings of a butterfly. Poppy has to wear special bandages all of the time. Unfortunately, under Obamacare, Poppy's insurance has been repeatedly discontinued and replaced with what Washington deems equivalent policies. But for Poppy, these plans are not equivalent, and Poppy's family has to spend precious time and tremendous resources fighting for exceptions for Poppy. The Washington politicians who made those promises to Steve, Marjorie, Melissa, Aaron, and their beautiful children want to ignore all the pain, all the suffering, and all of the money, the tremendous amounts of money that these lies have caused. They want to forget about the countless Americans they've hurt and the many that they are continuing to hurt every day by refusing to help us replace Obamacare. For the last seven years, Republicans have been united in standing up for Obamacare's victims. Remember, repeal and replace, repeal and replace. They kept saying it over and over again. Every Republican running for office promised immediate relief from this disastrous law. We as a party must fulfill that solemn promise to the voters of this country to repeal and replace what they've been saying for the last seven years. But so far, Senate Republicans have not done their job in ending the Obamacare nightmare. They now have a chance, however, to hopefully, hopefully fix what has been so badly broken for such a long time. And that is through replacement of a horrible disaster known as Obamacare. The Senate is very close to the votes it needs to pass a replacement. The problem is we have zero help from the Democrats. They're obstructionists. That's all they are. That's all they're good at is obstruction, making things not work. They say all the right things, and then they do exactly what they're not supposed to be doing. The Democrats aren't giving us one vote, so we need virtually every single vote from the Republicans. Not easy to do. The Senate bill that is being considered outside of the outright repeal of Obamacare will also provide emergency relief for the law's victims, and it will deliver truly great health care and health care reforms that our citizens want, need, and really should be demanding. Some are demanding. You'll see that at the voter booth, believe me. Here are just some of these terrific reforms that we will be doing if everything works out the way it should. The Senate bill eliminates the painful individual mandate. It eliminates the job-killing employer mandate, repeals other burdensome taxes, and will significantly lower Americans' premiums. But it doesn't repeal all the taxes. As a matter of fact, it commits $70 billion more of your dollars into the insurance company bailout trust fund. And the Senate says it's only a temporary plan. What happens if it goes to conference with the House and it becomes permanent? Where is your guarantee that this is going to be a one-time expenditure of $200 billion of your taxpayer dollars? There is no guarantee, and I can tell you this, that's not the way the business works. That's not the way it works. This bill does nothing uh, that the president is pushing for right now, folks, to try to 
push the traitorous insurance companies back to a com competition model. Doesn't do anything to set us on the path to getting them off of American taxpayers' dollars, wean them off that, the crack that is American taxpayers' dollars. Uh, straight repeal is preferable than this Senate monstrosity that basically affirms, affirms Obamacare. If, uh, if the president wants to back something, and that's what we heard earlier, that he wants something. Well, with respect, Mr. President, and with respect to the Republicans, I don't want something. I want the right thing. I believe that's why you were elected. Now, on the whole Democrat issue, he's absolutely right about why we're here. And we tweeted to at real Donald Trump earlier. How can at the Democrats trust Chuck Toomer when he's willing to harm them to preserve Obama's shameful legacy? It's true. Chuck Schumer has said he will do, he'll work with the president if they take getting rid of the cancer of Obamacare off the table. So who's Chuck Schumer looking at for? Is he looking out for the voters? Or is he looking out for President Obama's shameful legacy? I think we all know the answer. I'll be right back, folks. Stick with me. It's the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. This is The Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Yeah, I know. Jared Kushner was uh, talking to uh, the Senate today, talks to the House tomorrow. So what? Uh, more smoke. Don't care. Uh, show me some fire. Until you show me some fire, I, I, I don't give a damn. I really don't care. I'm not, I'm not playing anymore, Democrats. I'm not playing anymore, you partisans, you never-Trumpers. I'm not playing. Give me something concrete or shut the hell up. Uh... One of the knocks on Donald Trump, the president of the United States, is that uh, he's a misogynist and he uh, doesn't respect women. And that would come as a shock to all of the women who are part of the Trump administration. Writes the Daily Caller, with the appointment of Sarah Huckabee Sanders as the new White House press secretary, the resignation uh, of Sean Spicer prompting that. And we, we're going to get into Scaramucci, by the way, folks, in the second hour. We got... Got lots to talk about with uh, uh, the guy they're calling the Mooch, Scaramucci. Anywho, uh, with their resignation of Sean Spicer, women now represent the administration at the West Wing, the Pentagon, the Justice Department, and the State Department. Wait a minute. How is a misogynistic uh, administration, uh, 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 allegedly misogynistic administration, represented by so many women? They are the face and the voice of this administration. Interesting, isn't it? John Kirby, who was a, a flack for the Obama administration, tweeted out the following. White House, Pentagon, and state, all now represented by women spokespersons. S-P-O-X is the short for spokespersons. Politics, policy, and content aside, this is noteworthy, says John Kirby. Uh, I think it's noteworthy, too. It's just another, uh, shall we say, 
eroding of this fake press narrative that they have tried to put out about this president. Now, notice we don't carry the water for Mr. O, uh, Mr. Trump when he doesn't deserve it. If he's backing this Senate health care repeal thing, I don't think we can go along with him. But if he, if he backs full repeal and then something that makes a little more sense, or maybe the Rand Paul compromise, maybe we can get behind it. Hour two, flip around, next. The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, it's hour two. Welcome, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo's show. Coming up, we'll talk to Hans von Spakovsky. He is part of the president's election integrity initiative. And uh, I want to hear from him about what exactly he's doing on this uh, on this panel. Let's get to the flip around as we led the show with Charlie Gard and didn't do the flip around in the first hour. We'll start with CNN. And he shared it with the uh, staff. The staff has briefed us. Uh, we were briefed today around two o'clock. So we have a briefing, uh, but now it goes to the next, and we reserve that right for him to come in and speak before us. Um, uh, Manu Raju just uh, mentioned in his tag there uh, that one of our reporters caught up with Rudy Giuliani uh, at the airport. Uh, Giuliani denied uh, that uh, he is being considered to replace Jeff Sessions, and he also supported Sessions' uh, recusal of himself from the Russia investigation matters. Take a listen. Do you think Sessions did the proper thing recusing himself? I uh, believe the Sessions made the right decision under the rules of the Justice Department. Do you agree? I do. I, I absolutely do. And I think he stated it very clearly there under the uh, rules of the Justice Department. It's very clear that him and Mike Flynn had a relationship and they campaigned together. And it was very clear that Mike Flynn was under investigation. And well, it wasn't Mike Flynn that was the problem, was it, Senator Joe Manchin? Apparently it was this meeting with Kislyak. And by the way, folks... There was, there's, there are details being leaked out about the meeting between Kislyak and Sessions. And they were talking about it over on, um, over on Fox this weekend. And it was, um, th there was a little bit of speculation on this. And, and we were going to get into this before the president stepped with the microphone. But Fox News Channel speculating if Trump leaked on Sessions to get him to resign from, as AG. Listen to this. Because I must say, the thought occurred to me on Thursday, you have the president basically saying, I'm really unhappy with Jeff Sessions and I wouldn't have appointed him. And the next day there is this leak of information. <laughs> I used to see you smiling about the fact that Sessions may have misled everybody about what he talked to Kislyak about. I think it was a post story that said that Kislyak and Sessions did have a conversation about relieving sanctions on Russia. And if that's the case, uh, well, Sessions vehemently denies this. So many are raising an eyebrow saying, well, this might be Trump leaking for a change to make a change over in the attorney general's office. Now, now, why does this happen? 
Well, I have, uh, I'm going to reserve my speculation at this point, but I will say that we might, we might get a window in this when we get into the Scaramucci stuff about what was going on as far as leaking was concerned inside of this Trump administration and who was doing, doing the leaking. Many of us concede that Obama holdovers are, are a culprit, but some of these never Trumpers on the Republican side may also have infiltrated the White House, the State Department. Well, we'll, we'll um, that's about as far as I want to speculate. Anyway, they, they continue chuckling it up over at uh, Fox News Sunday. Do you think, I mean, is, is there, obviously the thought has occurred to you. It has occurred to me and many other reporters. I'll just go with what the, my friends at the Washington Post said about the story, which is that they have been working on this information since June. The information that Kislyak and Sessions talked about relieving sanctions. So we'll see where that goes. But if this is the Trump administration trying to put pressure on AG Sessions to resign, and now that Rudy Giuliani's name is being floated out there for a replacement, uh, the president is livid at Jeff Sessions recusing himself for meeting with Kislyak, as we have said, which was a part of his normal his normal duties as a senator. Let's get over to MSNBS. So what are you hearing about that? Well, John, I actually wouldn't describe it as a small cadre. I think part of the challenge for Ryan's previous right now is he has a large footprint within the West Wing. He brought many of his RNC allies into the White House and the erosion of some of his, his inner circle. You saw Katie Walsh depart the White House earlier this year. Now Shaw Spicer. You, you have some of his other loyalists under, under scrutiny in the communications operation. Because he has this large footprint, all of the chipping away really cuts at his capital, his stature within the West Wing. Because if you <coughs> compare him to, to Steve Bannon, the chief strategist, or Jared Kushner, the senior advisor, they don't have this larger operation within the White House, and that makes Priebus, in a sense, vulnerable. That's Rob Costa over on MSNBS from the Washington Post. Kind of going where I was going, that the Trump folks have determined that there is uh, perhaps a... Ne- oh, boy. I want to be careful here, because I, I, I don't know any of this firsthand. I'm speculating that the Trump folks have determined that some of the never Trump element have made their way from the RNC into the Trump White House and that they may be a source of White House leaking and also leaking of some of these various departments, not just the Obama holdovers. So that's the fear. That's the speculation. And we'll get into this when we get into uh, Scaramucci as well. Uh, Let's see. Fox News. Let's get over there. Don't get the leaks stopped. I am a business person. And so I will take dramatic action to stop those leaks. If the leaks don't stop, I'm going to pare down the staff uh, because it's just not right, Chris. I think it's not fair to the president. It's actually not fair to America or the people in the government. All right, making it very clear that the leaks better stop and soon or people are going to go and fast. The read now from former White House Press Secretary, Fox News contributor Ari Fleischer. You know, I'm reminded so many administrations have tried to crack down on this sort of thing with mixed results. Uh, This has been a particular problem for President Trump. Uh, Now there's a new sheriff handling uh, things for them in the communications department. What do you expect of this strategy? 
Well, he's 100% right. These leaks are debilitating. They're just terrible. You pick up the newspaper and you read who said what in the Oval Office. Neil, I can't imagine there isn't a time I ever would have turned on my colleagues and said, revealed publicly what they said to the president in the Oval Office. That's Ari Fleischer, former Bush secretary, uh, press secretary, talking with Cavuto on Fox. And you know what? I was going to put this off, so I might as well get into it now because they had some of the sound bites that I had pulled from the Fox News Sunday uh, appearance of Scaramucci, the mooch as they call him now. And what I was struck by, because we joked about this on Friday, right here on this program, I said, you know, what if Spicer was being shown the door because he was a leaker? And, and look, I was, and I have to be abundantly clear because I know Spicer and I like Sean Spicer. I was 100% joking when I said that but when I got into Sunday shows, I wasn't laughing so much because the, the first, if he said it once, he said it a thousand times in his interview with Chris Wallace. Scaramucci has been brought in to plug the leaks. Well, listen, I, I actually don't think it's, that's the hard part. I think the hard part is just to get reorganized and figure out one of the first things I want to do is just message the people. We got to get the leaks stopped, Chris. I know that it's Washington, so it's going to be impossible to stop all of them. But I think what's going on right now is a high level of unprofessionalism and it's not serving the president. So my three simple things is I would like to reset the culture uh, inside the comms department so that people recognize that I'm actually there to serve them uh, and they're going to be working with me not for me that's a very big distinction and that all of us are there to serve the president of the United States and his agenda and so the, and so well by the way the comms department uh, short for communications department inside the White House so Scaramucci is focused like a laser on resetting the culture, but also it seems he has brought, been brought in to shake up that staff because Trump's inner circle has determined that the leaks are coming from the communication shop. Anthony Scaramucci laying out his priorities to fix that communications department. First thing for me is I want to hit a cultural reset button. Second thing is we got to get the leak stopped. If we don't get the leak stopped, I am a business person. And so I will take dramatic action to stop those leaks. And then the third thing is, is I'll be traveling with the president this week uh, and we're going to focus and refine the messaging from the from the White House. Yeah. So <laughs> he mentions the leaks again. Again. And he wasn't done. He he is pledging. I mean, th that was the, I think that was the second or third time he had mentioned it. Here he goes again. Listen, I, I, I'm going to be very, very clear with people. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, that staff has amnesty. Um, we'll see uh, how they do with me at the helm. Uh, if the leaks don't stop, I'm going to pare down the staff uh, because it's just not right, Chris. I think it's not fair to the president. It's yeah, paring down the staff. Now, let me let me just briefly stop down there for a second because this i basically saying folks is if we can't stop the leaks we're going to start firing people we're going to start firing people and we're going to reduce the size of the communications department to people that we know we can trust because a lot of these other these other folks we can't trust so we're just going to start firing people washington post put out an editorial over the weekend saying a gutted State Department makes us weak. And I, 
I took exception to this because you guys know how I felt about the State Department. The State Department under Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama was a put everybody else first uh, place. This was a uh, uh, a place where uh, the Iranians, the Cubans, uh, every everybody went first, and America's best interests were subordinated. And I, on a comment to the Washington Post, I said, "Well, how many people does it take to actually screw America and benefit our enemies?" Which is what the agenda of the State Department was. You know, there's not, there isn't American issues. There's not an American issues department inside of the State Department. There are se- several countries that have their own uh, uh, their own representation inside of the U.S. State Department to make sure their needs are met. But there's no American. <laughs> there's no American division inside of the U.S. State Department. That's number one. So. I'm all for what Rex Tillerson has been doing, paring down the Obama holdovers, paring down the left-wing elitists who put America second. Look, I'll I'll wrap this up on the other side of the break, and don't forget we're talking about election integrity with our buddy Hans von Spakovsky. Coming up, Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Dial in, let it out. 888-900-3393. This is The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze on The Blaze Radio Network. Thirty-three ninety-three. The Chris Salcedo Show. I'm going to be very, very clear with people. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, that staff has amnesty. Um, we'll see uh, how they do with me at the helm. Uh, if the leaks don't stop, I'm going to pare down the staff uh, because it's just not right, Chris. I think it's not fair to the president. It's actually not fair to America or the people in the government. I'm not going to be able to stop the leaks or uh, in the intergovernmental agencies and all that other stuff. That's a whole different ball of wax. Uh, but something's going on inside the White House that the president does not like, uh, and we're going to fix it. So that's that's what Scaramucci's been brought in to do. Fix it. Fix the leaks. Uh Chris Wallace, and I'm, I don't do this very often. I don't often play the question, number one, and then allow, uh, not allow to hear the answer. But the question to me was so self-evident that I'm actually kind of surprised that Chris Wallace even asked it. Now, li- li- Chris Wallace is asking about President Donald Trump going after the integrity or that lack thereof of Bob Mueller. And I shouldn't say lack of integrity, but he has conflicts of interest, as do so many people who have been hired to, quote unquote, investigate Russian collusion in our elections. So here's the question from Chris Wallace. Do you see anything wrong with going after the special counsel and his team when it comes to possible conflicts of interest or when it comes to uh, your feeling or the president's feeling that he is expanding the scope of his investigation too far into the president's business affairs? What are you supposed to do when you believe you are being treated unfairly and you're being investigated with somebody with a conflict of interest? Why wouldn't you say that? Why wouldn't you? 
do that. Do you, do you hear what Chris Wallace is asking? He's saying, do, do you think it's right for the president to go after Bob Mueller? Going after, you mean pointing out his obvious conflicts of interest? Pointing out his obvious missteps already in the investigation? The leaks from the investigation? Why shouldn't... Folks, it's tantamount to this. You run over some kid's bike okay you're in your car you run over some kid's bike so you got to appear before a judge you find out the judge is the parent of the kid's bike you ran over and uh oh by the way it was somebody you used to date in high school and you broke their heart okay according to chris wallace of fox news you're just supposed to sit down shut up and not call into question the possible compromising objectivity of the judge or in this case the special counsel of course donald trump should quote unquote not go after but point out that bob Mueller has significant conflicts of interest not least of which his close personal relationship with james comey not least of which the fact that he interviewed for james comey's job james comey's job not least of which he's hiring Democrat bundlers. Those who collect donations to donate to Democrats as lawyers to go after Donald Trump or quote unquote investigate Donald Trump or Russia collusion. These are obvious conflicts of interest that call into question the objectivity of Bob Mueller and his so-called investigation of Russian collusion. It seems more likely that he's trying to dig up dirt on Trump. That's why he's investigating businesses that have nothing to do with Russia. So I think it's completely reasonable for the president of the United States to say, hey, I don't think I'm being treated fairly here. A uh, couple of other issues here I wanted to, to point out today. The Democrats. Much is said about how the Republicans are are in disarray, and they are. There are no unifying principles. We talked about this on Friday. No unifying principles that makes a Republican a Republican. It's just a name. It's just a name. Ted Cruz is a Republican. But we know him as a conservative. Susan Collins says she's Republican. And, and frankly, she's a liberal. She's a progressive. What The only thing that unites Cruz and Susan Collins is the name Republican. There are no shared values that those two have, in my estimation. Democrats are in worse shape, folks. You'll be uh, happy to know that the Democrat leadership, former Obama official Potty Mouth Perez, Tom Perez, according to a new FEC report, reveals the Democrat National Committee finished the month $3.3 million in debt. <laughs> At least they're consistent, right? I mean, this is what they do to the country every single time <laughs> they get into office. They bankrupt us. 
Isn't that what they do? Every single time. Run up the debt. I mean, Obama added more to the national debt under his watch than all previous presidents combined. (laughs) So at least the Democrats are consistent. And I'm glad they're doing it to themselves instead of to us for a change. I mean, (laughs) 3.3 million bucks in the hole for the for the month of june that's uh that's a thing of beauty in my mind okay up next our buddy hans von spakovsky from the heritage foundation he will uh talk about his role in the voter fraud thing uh this commission the president's put out there back in a minute on the chris salcedo show the chris salcedo show part of generation blaze only on the blaze radio network Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. I think I have this video up at chrissalcedo.com, C-H-R-I-S-S-A-L-C-E-D-O.com under the video section. I think you got to scroll all the way down to the bottom of memory serves. This was a video from when I was in news, and I put together a report about election uh, integrity. And this was when I was in Dallas, Fort Worth at the uh, news station there, a CBS owned and operated station. And one of the conclusions I remember coming to was we had so many checks in place. For example, uh, if you're a felon, the government can check to see if you're eligible to vote. If you are a uh, mentally incapacitated person, there are government checks for that. If you're not of age to vote, there are checks for that. Do you guys know the only check the government is prohibited from checking is your citizenship? Arguably the most critical part of the voting process as to whether or not you are eligible to actually cast that ballot and weigh in on American issues through your vote. Now, what is the, what is the number one refrain that we are used to hearing out there about election fraud, about massive voter fraud? Oh, there's no evidence that there is any voter fraud out in America. They always say that, these left-wing progressives. And we know what's at bottom here. They are fighting desperately for their ability to cheat. Because that's the way they win. Uh, The problem is they will not inform you in that same breath that they have passed laws and restrictions and under the guise of safeguards to prohibit us from actually gathering the information that would show that voter fraud is taking place. Well, you have no proof. Well, you won't allow me to go get the proof. See, there's no proof. (laughs) You guys see that whole circle, meaningless circle. 
So the president of the United States has decided to start a commission to go out and find this stuff, to go out and collect information as to how pervasive and how, how bad off we are here in, in the country. So without further ado, let's talk to our guest today. Hans von Spakowski, everybody, he is here. Manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative and Senior Fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Hans, welcome back to the Salcedo Show. Well, thanks for having me. Pleasure is all mine. And, and since we, we joined you a little late, I'm hoping we can keep you over in case we don't get everything covered. Uh, what's your role in the President's Election Integrity Commission? Well, I'm one of about a dozen commissioners, and it's important for everybody to understand it's a bipartisan commission. You'd, you'd never know that from some of the media coverage of it. And the commissioners, they've had their first meeting, and what we've talked about is we, we're going to investigate and take a look at the American election process from the time people register to vote to the time they go cast their ballot to the counting of ballots afterwards, and we're going to see, well, what kind of vulnerabilities and problems are there in the system? Uh, what kind of recommendations can we make to improve the system uh, and, and make sure that uh, it's, it's secure and isn't a system that people who want to take advantage of it uh, can do that. Now, the, the refrain that we hear from opponents of election integrity, they say there is no evidence of voter fraud. However, I was just talking about this with the audience before you joined us, there is, there is a steady diet of roadblocks that many, and I would, I would rationalize, mostly of a left-wing persuasion, have thrown up preventing government from actually checking to find out if there's voter fraud. There, there are all, all manner of obstacles under the guise of, of privacy. Uh, and, and, I, and I hasten to point out, Hans, that there are government checks for everything under the sun on voter eligibility, except, except citizenship. Am I right? No, you're, you're absolutely right. In fact, when a couple of states have tried to do something, what everybody needs to understand is, we, we, look, we have an honor system. Yeah, the voter registration um, application form asks you if you are a citizen, but I can cite you case after case after case where uh, people who weren't U.S. citizens lied on their application and registered and voted. But we have an honor system. Nobody verifies and checks, for example, that everybody registered to vote is a citizen. And so we know there are non-citizens registered and voting all over the country. What we don't know is how big of a problem is that, and any time any state tries to do something about it, they end up getting lawsuits filed against them saying, oh, you, you can't do anything about this. Yeah, and it's, it, it seems that there is a one political persuasion in our country that is dedicated to the prospect of keeping cheating available to, to influence elections. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how you can read it any other way. Well, I don't either, and I'll give you a quick example of that. Um, one of the people that has been protesting the loudest about this commission, presidential commission is Terry McAuliffe, the Democratic governor of Virginia. And <laughs> I mean, he has just really said outrageous things about it. Look, the state legislature in Virginia not too long ago passed a very simple law that said that when people get called for jury duty in the state courts, if they're excused because they're not a U.S. citizen, that information has to be sent back to election officials, which is where they, they get the list of potential jurors so that they can take the non-citizen off the rolls. Terry McAuliffe vetoed that bill. Now, why in the world would anyone veto a bill like that unless you want non-citizens to be able to register, to vote, and to get away with it, and election officials not find out about it? 
Hans von Spakowski is uh, manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative and a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation. I, and I did some reporting on this when I was in journalism, when I was in news. And, uh, you know, there were, there were some folks out there who wanted to get out of jury duty. So they just checked the box. I'm, I'm not a citizen. Uh, and, you know, thinking, uh, what, what are they going to do to me? You know, uh, so, so that so, some, maybe McAuliffe was considering that. But still, it, it, what, what does it hurt to cross-check? You know, have right. the government say, hey, you, you checked this box that you weren't a citizen on jury duty. And uh, are you a citizen or not? And they go, oh, I'm just trying to get out of jury duty. Well, you know, so a lot of people could get in trouble over lying on an official government document. Uh, last thing, a acorn was not a myth. The, 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 no. This was a, a, a large, concentrated left-wing effort to to cheat in an election. And, and Democrats don't want to talk about this very much. But it is precisely the reason why we're so worried about the vulnerability and integrity in our elections, yes? Yeah, it is. And uh, anybody who doubts there's voter fraud can check out the database. We've created it at um, the Heritage Foundation. We're adding new cases almost all the time. We're up to more almost 1,100 proven cases of election fraud. Wow. Hans von Spikowski, everybody. He's the manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative and a senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Appreciate your time and expertise as always, sir. Thanks for having me. In somewhat related news, um, in Texas, there are a couple of stories I need to tell you guys about. The first story you guys have probably heard of already, uh, human trafficker had a whole bunch, uh, they're saying, they're speculating as much as 100 illegals were piled into this semi-trailer, truck trailer in the 100-degree Texas heat. No air conditioning and no water. Ten people are dead. And several are hospitalized. They've got the guy, the truck driver, in custody. He's saying he had no idea how they got in there. He didn't realize this trailer on its way from where was it idaho out to texas was full of people only time he was aware is that some folks were making some noise when he stopped at a pit stop to to use the restroom he opens up the door and he says he was he was mowed over by a whole bunch of spanish people <laughs> uh Upon opening the door, Bradley claimed he was run over by Spanish people and knocked him to the ground, according to the affidavit. Anyway, this guy is uh, this guy's in custody, and um, we'll see where that goes. But ten people are dead, and I, I think there is no mistake about this. The reason why these people are dead is because for so long we've had liberals on both sides of the political aisle who have well rolled out the welcome mat for illegal aliens. And these coyotes, these human smugglers, they don't give a damn. They get paid. They charge these poor people uh, their entire life savings so they could come up here to the United States of America and escape the oppression from countries who behave the way Democrats do. Their governments behave the way Democrats do. That's why so many people want to get the hell out of Dodge. And then they 
they risk their literally risk their lives coming here. Now, folks of each political persuasion see this story and they come to two different conclusions. And I'll leave it up to you to come to the conclusion that you want to come to. Liberal leftists, anti-rule of law folks here in the United States, look at this story and they say, see, 10 people are dead. That means we got to stop enforcing our laws. The conservative would say, see, we've got to start enforcing our laws so people understand in no uncertain terms that they cannot come to the United States illegally. Folks, following the rule of law saves lives. Now, this isn't something that Democrats or extremist libs understand, but most common sense people do understand it. And the reason I say that, in the very same state of Texas, you guys have heard me make reference to Sanctuary City Sally, Sally Hernandez. She's a sheriff in Travis County in the state of Texas, and she is the one of the main reasons why Texas became the first country or the first state in the country to pass sanctuary city law that basically says if you are a an elected official and you do not cooperate with federal immigration's uh, detainer requests, your moldy butt will be thrown in jail, and that takes takes effect, I believe, in September. Well, Sanctuary City Sally uh, released a known Suernos 13 gang member who had been previously deported four times. And uh, she decides she's going to let this guy go. Now, thankfully, ICE found him and deported him. But that's, that's the level of commitment to the American citizens that these left-wing Democrat extremists have. Sanctuary City Sally, a Democrat in Travis County, was willing to let out an illegal alien felon. What if he'd killed somebody? What if he'd harmed somebody? Sanctuary City Sally would be the first reprobate to say, oh, you can't put that on me. Well, now, oh, and by the way, she released him by saying she had determined he wasn't a threat. She had determined that a four-time deportee and felon here illegally in the United States wasn't a threat. I'll be back in a minute. Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network. Show. Welcome back, everybody. I got into a conversation with the family over the weekend. Uh, as you all know, I'm a native of California, San Diego, and uh, I still have conversations with my family who are stuck behind enemy lines out there in the People's Republic of California. And we were talking about secession. And a couple of weeks back, we talked to Liz Wheel about she really believes that California, if they they really have the gumption. I mean, they they were toying with it in Texas under Obama, but the, she actually thinks that these left wing crazies out there might might actually pull it off. 
To which, you know, I, I think the only thing that exceeds California's desire to secede from the union is the rest of the states who are really eager to see them go. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I know very few bastions around the country. I mean, even some New Yorkers go, just Californians are crazy. So, I mean, and I openly wondered, would the new People's Republic of California have better relations with the United States or with Mexico? Because, you know, culturally speaking, you know, they got a lot of illegals up there from Mexico already in the state of California and language that they're not they're not forced to assimilate to speak English. So already a lot of the backward culture from Mexico is is uh, just pushing its way into California already. It's not it's it, it's more Mexico than it is America in California and many precincts and their value system and all that kind of stuff, you know, cronyism and the uh, government lording over your life. Oh, by the way, another positive effect of Donald Trump enforcing the rule of law. Uh, looks like some folks are now heading, illegals uh, are heading north of the border to Canada <laughs> to escape the rule of law in America. Hey, remember everybody, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a great day. Catch you tomorrow. The Chris Salcedo Show, 3 o'clock Eastern, right here. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Plays on the Blaze Radio Network.